Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies Babatunde, your host and resident storyteller, and welcome to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. No Straight Path is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are digging into the human stories behind success, and my hope, as always, is that you leave the conversation inspired, motivated, and excited about your journey. Hey friends, hey, I hope you are well. We have another amazing guest, entrepreneur and content creator, Jordan Guyton. Jordan is actually my friend and she's just a beautiful soul. She's an inspiration and she uses her influence with a visible brand and large following on social media to inspire others. So y'all know that is definitely the type of content that I love. And before we get to our conversation, I'll tell you a bit more about her. Jordan Guyton, the CEO of Veragene Media, is a visionary entrepreneur with a decade-long immersion in the entertainment industry. Leveraging experience with giants like Meta, Teachable, and Blavity, Jordan founded Veragene Media to empower heart-centered entrepreneurs through authentic social media strategies. Achieving rapid six-figure growth within a year, Veragene Media, named after Jordan's grandmother, stands for compassion, kindness, and innovation. This media powerhouse aims to amplify voices, foster connections, and make a positive impact in the digital landscape. Guided by a mission to empower individuals to thrive authentically in the ever-evolving world of social media. Yes, it is ever-evolving, but Jordan has all the tips and tricks for how you can succeed in that arena. And in this conversation, we chat about it all, the career journey, grief, marriage, and going after your dreams. And I just can't wait for you all to hear this conversation, so let's get to it. Right, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I just love you. I love your story. So I'm excited to just learn more. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I love you and I'm really excited to dive in. Thank you. And I feel like I feel grateful that you've been so vulnerable, you know, on social media. I just wanted to say that because I don't even think I would even know different versions of your story if you didn't share it on social media, even though we know each other in real life. (laughs) And so, yeah, I just want to say thank you for that. And I want to learn more about how you grew up. Can you tell us just about your family, your upbringing, a little bit about little Jordan? Yeah, totally. So I was born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii. I'm an island girl, and I spent the first nine years of my life just being raised by my mom and my grandma and just really being surrounded by strong women who you know, went above and beyond to make sure I felt loved at all time. I think what I can definitely say is I grew up with a lot of love. I grew up around a lot of strength. And I think that just growing up in Hawaii and in even places like New York, where I lived for a few years and now living in LA, it was a bubble. It, it felt like a magical place, to be quite honest. And I just remember growing up, I did a lot of pretending and acting and playing house and, you know, a lot of just imaginative things as a child that I think really has carried on into today. I enjoyed being by the beach. I enjoyed playing with my cousins. 
I enjoyed going to swap meets with my mom. My mom always said I was a very easy kid. I was very chill and to myself and just a sweet girl. So, I mean, growing up was, I feel like, beautiful. I was very blessed to grow up in the way that I did, for sure. Oh, I love that. It sounds like such a lovely childhood. And, you know, you mentioned both your mother and your grandmother and how they raised you. And we have some overlap in our stories and just, you know, the loss of them and how they've informed who we are as humans. And so I want to know more about them, about perhaps any lessons learned, how they've informed who you are. Tell us about mom and grandma. Yeah. So it's wild because my company that I started in 2020 is named Vera Jean Media. And my grandma's name was Vera Jean. And I remember, you know, my mom working multiple jobs and my grandma being the one to kind of raise me when she was at work. Grandma was very stern. She was very like, I don't play. But when it came to me, I was like, the perfect person. Like I know I was her favorite, like a thousand percent. I would get away with any and everything. And again, I think my grandma really showered me in love. And I feel like my mom and my grandma really nurtured any dream that I had ever had. You know, if I said I wanted to act, my mom was like, okay, let's do it. Like, uh, what do you want to do? You want to take acting classes? You want to go get headshots? Like nothing was crazy or off limits when it came to them. I don't think there was a dream that would be too big or too wild or too ludicrous where they'd say, oh, Jordan, how are you going to do that? Right. It was always like, okay, well, let's figure it out. Oh, go ahead. You want to do that? Cool. Go ahead. You have a passport? Go do it. Right. And I think that's one of the lessons I learned from them of just that fearlessness of if you can think it, if you can see it, if you've been shown the vision, then go for it and know that you have support in your corner. And I think that's what I've tried to embody throughout my life of just supporting people and supporting their dreams or holding that vision until they're ready to birth it. I find a lot of strength and I find a lot of just peace being that for people when they're not quite ready to get that dream out there. I think another thing I learned from the both of them is just how rooted I am in my faith. I remember going to church with my grandma every Sunday and it was a Baptist church. So you know, we're there for about 65 hours yep, <laughs> and I'm sleeping, exactly sleeping in the pew, you know, waiting for church to be over. But that was instilled in me when I was a baby, a little girl. And I carry that into the thread of what I do as well. I did a call yesterday with some of my past clients to see how they wanted to improve or what they would want to improve in my program next year. I have a group coaching program. So they shared a few things. And then I also asked what made you join, right? Like what made you swipe the credit card? It's a four-figure investment. There's so many people online doing what I'm doing. What made you swipe it? And I think I have it written down. They said, your love for God. And I could see the faith in everything that you do. It's just you. It's how you show up. And so I'm so grateful that I'm able to carry that you know, with me and the way that I show up for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. The fearlessness, the faith, and you have certainly exemplified that in your career. And so let's actually pivot to your career. I know you've had some twists and turns. Can you talk to us about your decision to go into, I believe it was first content creation and entertainment and yeah, let's talk about that. 
Yeah. So I went to the University of Oklahoma. So boomer sooner, if anyone out there is listening, if you know, you know. And I graduated in 2010. And the summer before I graduated, I had heard about internships. And I knew that I wanted to do an internship at least before I got out of college. It wasn't something that was really talked about, maybe because we were in Oklahoma. I don't know. But I had seen a commercial come up on the TV. And it was a commercial from The Maury Show. And they were like, we're looking for interns. And I was like, this is my dream. I've been watching Maury since I was like 13, like <laughs> sneaking to watch the show. You are the father. I was like, this is my chance. Like, I was so excited. And of course I emailed and I feel like everyone who wanted to be an intern got to be an intern because it was unpaid. It was in Connecticut and I had to figure out how to make it work. And so again, an unpaid internship, I drove from Oklahoma I rented a room in Connecticut for a summer and I was an intern and I answered phone calls of all the people calling in for the Maury show about the baby mama drama, or I think my husband's doing this or my teenager's out of control. And I was like, this is so awesome. Like, I love it. And I just, I was already going to college for mass communications uh, and broadcast journalism. So it was already up my alley and it was already part of my major And so I had a great summer interning. It was wild. It was a lot of work. And again, it was unpaid. And I drove 22 hours back to Oklahoma by myself to finish my senior year of college. And so right before I graduated, I reached out to one of the VPs and asked if there were any roles available. And they said, well, matter of fact, a production assistant role became available. Can you interview? And I said, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Can I? I, Sure, I can. And they were like, can you come Friday? Sure, sure, sure. I booked a flight with no money as a college student. (laughs) And I slept in a hostel in New York City for one night so that I could be ready for the interview the next day. Took the train back up to Connecticut and I had my interview and I got hired on the spot. And when I graduated college, I packed my car up again and I drove all the way back up to Connecticut and I settled there for three years while I worked for Maury Povich. And it was everything you think it was and more. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The first question I always get about the show is, is it real? And it is. So I think that's what made it so crazy for me was just seeing that these stories were people's real life. And it started to get a little hard for me just because I'm such an empath. And, you know, conflict TV is a bit exploitatious. I don't think that's a word, but it is that. And I enjoyed the people I worked with. I enjoyed Maury, but I had to step away after three years because it just didn't feel good to me anymore. And I was very validated in that decision and leaving as well. And from there, I was in front of the camera, behind the camera. I created, co-created a web series that a friend of mine and I created. It was a comedic web series. We put it on YouTube for a year, put the little money that we had into that. And in year two, it got picked up by BET Digital and they fully funded our second year. So I've always been into the content scene and really been into creating content. 
and it's been in my blood. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's amazing. And that web series, I did watch it and I thought it was hilarious. Oh, thanks. Yes. So <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> you know, I had to do my research. I was like, wait, I know yeah, she had a web series, thanks. which yeah. is really incredible. And so being in front of the camera, now you're in front of the camera in a, a different way. So can you tell yeah. us about that pivot, being yeah. in front from the web series and now to your own company and sharing content and helping others with their content? Yeah, it was not easy. I thought it was going to be automatic, to be quite honest. You know, being in front of the camera, I've done commercials. I've auditioned for big shows like Power, Master of None, Sisters at one time. So I was petrified. So I started my business in the height of the pandemic, July 2020. And so being so confident, showing up on camera for auditions, all of that, commercials. I did stuff for Dark and Lovely. Like I had been immersed in that and just being front and center. And I remember starting my business. I have a coaching and consulting company and we help small business owners tell their story on social media to grow their communities and drive revenue into their business. And I remember being so scared to post that I started a business because I didn't think anyone would take me seriously. I thought people were going to laugh at me. I thought people were going to say, okay, you're an actor. Like, what do you know about starting? I was petrified. And for that reason, I started talking about my business first on Facebook because it felt like more of a safe space. It was people I knew, my family, my mom commented on every single thing. So I was like, okay, I can start here. This feels good. And I remember hiring my first business coach on a personal credit card. It's $2,500. And I was like, what are we doing? I'm collecting unemployment, but okay, let's take a chance on it. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you have to start going live. And I was like, excuse me, what? Huh? What is going live? And I remember, Ashley, I used to sweat. I used to be so nervous. I remember going live in Facebook groups. And it wasn't until I think it was two weeks after actually doing it, I got my first sale. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. This is cute. And I started to document my process and I started to show up more consistently. And I started to build that muscle even when it felt uncomfortable. And doing so, in addition to telling my story, like you said in the very beginning about being vulnerable and transparent about my process, we hit our first six figures within nine months of launching my business. So once I stepped out of that fear, again, stepped out of that uncomfortableness or stepped into it, right, things really started to change for my business. I love that story so much. And I think, you know, and I've even seen it on your social media. You've shown the growth, which I think is really great. It's very helpful, the transparency. And I think you showed one of your first lives. And I remember thinking, wait, is that even Jordan? Like Jordan is usually very confident, you know, coming on bubbly, excited, but yeah, you were nervous. And it's the same thing for me with my podcasting journey. It's like anytime you're a beginner, you just have, you don't know what you're doing and you'll figure it out, but it just takes time. It takes consistency. It takes repetition and you'll see the growth. And so I loved how you've been showing that in real time. And it was just such a good reminder because I couldn't believe that. Because I think when people meet you, you know, they th thought you came out the gate doing this kind of work, you know? Girl, <laughs> you have to put in the reps. And I always tell my students, 
it feels a little crunchy at first, right? Like none of the stuff, I mean, unless this is like your God-given gift, but the majority of the content that you put out in the first few months, first year is crunchy. It's just crunchy and it's great. It's messy. You get to look back on it and you get better, but you have to sit in that space to become that next version of you. And there's always a message in the mess. And if you can stay in that, there's so much reward on the other side. Yeah. And speaking of mess, message in the mess, you know, has there been a messy period or a challenging setback in your career? And how did you overcome that? Yeah, absolutely. Eight months into launching my business and four weeks before I got married, I lost my mom unexpectedly. And it was earth shattering. It was everything was going so great, right? Like I just got engaged. We're getting ready to get married in a few weeks. My business had had this hockey stick type of growth. I felt really in sync and in rhythm with my clients at the time. We had just moved into our new apartment in Brooklyn because we were about to get married. So it just felt like, all right, like I started, this works. This is cute. And I remember getting that call and just dropping everything. I was living in New York at the time with my fiance, now husband. And my sister had called me and I had calls scheduled the whole day. I told my VA to cancel everything and our car wouldn't start. And my mom was in Massachusetts at the time and our car wouldn't start. So we ran to the rental car place to try to get a car to drive up to Massachusetts because she was being rushed to the hospital at this time. And we went to the rental car place. They were all out of rental cars. And so we ended up taking an Uber four and a half hours from New York to Massachusetts. And I remember texting my sister, like, is mom good? Like, what's going on? And she didn't text me back. And when she didn't text me back, that's when I knew. And so my stepdad called me and I knew. And the Uber driver was just, it was just so divine where he was just praying for us. And like, I can't even explain how it sounds weird, but how soft that moment was for me. Cause I do feel like it could have been a bit more chaotic, but I was surrounded by my fiance. I was surrounded by this random stranger and he got us there safely. And it was a really hard time. And I had to stop. Like I had to stop working. I had to pause my group coaching program. I had to stop with my one-on-one clients and I disappeared. I disappeared from social media And again, I was in such a good groove. We were growing like crazy. We were closing clients like crazy. But I had to take a step back to process. And I won't say heal because I do feel like healing, I don't think it ever ends, right? I think it's a journey. So I think I had to start my healing process. I think having community during that time and my faith and my husband, my fiance, sustained me. Because I always used to say to my mom all the time, if something were to happen to you, I'm just going to kill everyone. Like I'm not going to be able to live. I don't know what I'm going to do. And to be sane in my right mind and to have the will to keep going was nothing but God, to be quite honest. So I think that probably 
no, is and has been my biggest setback and to continue to keep going after such a huge loss. Yeah, yeah. As you know, I'm so sorry for your loss and I just appreciate you sharing that story. And I know you also have a podcast and you shared a little bit more about that. And yeah, the things you described about just even being able to see, you know, it is so challenging and so tough, but to be able to see the divine and beautiful moments within it, just being in that Uber with the man who was praying for you, you know, things of that nature, that kind of stuff happens in the valleys of life. You know, it's just, as you said, like it's something that's inexplicable, but you've certainly described it in a way that I think is going to help. It helps me. And I think listeners for my podcast, because we're starting to have more open conversations about grief, which I think is so helpful. And I am curious, do you have any advice for anyone that might be experiencing grief? Yeah, great question. I mean, definitely, like I said, community has been a saving grace for me. I also think talking about it and talking about it to an extent where you feel at least comfortable or maybe a bit of discomfort has been helpful for me because I can't tell you how many times, first of all, it's extremely hard to post about my mom and my grandma and just like tell the story or talk about it. But every single time I do it, there's somebody that's like, oh my gosh, like I just lost my mom or oh my gosh, like I needed to hear that. And so it's moments like that, that also heal me along this journey. So I think that once you start to get to a place where you can just share bits and pieces, I could never share this story two and a half years ago, three years ago with my mom. I could never get it out. I would be spitting and snotting everywhere. Like it would be very, very hard. So obviously take the time you need, but express and talk or write those feelings out as often as you can, because I think there's something about just not holding it in that's helpful. And I also wholeheartedly believe that your grief is not for you. It's to bring others through their breakthrough, right? Like when they can see, okay, she went through that. Okay. She's or he or they or them, they're on that other side. And it's like, you are that light for that person. And I think that if we don't do that, there's going to be a lot of people trapped in that valley because they haven't seen a glimmer of light. And so you can be that glimmer of light when you just share those little inclinings, those little pieces. Oh, that was my mom's favorite song. Or my mom loved eating that, right? If that's as little as you can get out, someone else can hold on and grasp onto that. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's so insightful and so helpful. And I definitely agree. You said something important too that I hadn't thought about. Your grief is for other people as well. You know, I hadn't thought about it in that way, but it is. And how helpful. It's really an expression of your humanity and helping everyone, you know, feel less alone. And so it doesn't have to be on major social media platform in the way that we both share. It literally can be in that tiny conversation, right, with a friend. It's just that vulnerability. And so I appreciate people like you who do share it with the world. But, you know, and also just the fact that you said it's so hard to share, I found that really interesting. And I, you know, I'm not sure. I've had certainly like a bit of a different experience. I feel like I needed to share it. And it was like this release for me, which was interesting. And then I went through a period where I've just, I've stopped sharing in that way. 
but it's more so I just incorporate my mom in the way I speak about things, the way you just mentioned just now, just saying that was my mom's favorite song or that's kind of where I'm at right now. But, you know, different life seasons will certainly, I might have another essay coming out, (laughs) you know, in a year about something about my mom, you never know. So, but yeah, so, and when I asked that question about setback, I actually was going in a different direction. I wanted to know more about the career setback that you had. I think regarding the web series or just the culmination of starting the company. So we talked about the content, but I think there might have been a story in between. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, the biggest setback, and I think for a lot of people, was COVID. That was kind of the catapult or the springboard as to why we started or I started my company. You know, production shut down. I was collecting unemployment. I was starting to get emails about doing home auditions. So I was doing self-tapes in my room during COVID in hopes that, you know, something would go into production or we'd be doing recordings at our home for commercials or and I just felt like I was being called for more, but I also didn't know how to do it. Right. I never started a company. I, what is an LLC? What is an S-Corp? What is it? it was a journey. It was a, <laughs> it was a feel your way in the dark type of situation. And, you know, we started the web series initially because we were tired of being casted in hypersexualized roles or stereotypical roles. You know, the angry black woman or the feisty Latina or the home wrecker or the other woman. And so I think that was one of the first times I was able to take control of the narrative, right? Take control of the content I was creating, take control of what was being put out there. And like I said, when we initially did season one, we put our money into it. We brought our friends in from the industry. We paid them pennies and we fed them. We made sure we got them good, like, you know, sandwiches from the deli or pizza, right? Like it was just a dream, right? And keeping and nurturing a relationship to then reaching out to that person and asking if there was room where he was working at BET, if there was room on the slate for programming and them saying yes. And then us being able to bring all of those people into season two that put in that sweat equity in season one and being able to pay them and being able to pay ourselves. That was like my first taste of like, okay, you can create content. You can make money doing this. You can create things that actually you want to talk about and stories that you want to tell. And I did. I was like, okay, this could be some Easter Ray stuff. Like, yes, this is out. Yes. Season three. Like, <laughs> let's, you know, take this to the next level. But yeah, COVID hit and I started building something else. And I don't know if I will ever go back to creating web series or storytelling in that way. But I do know that a lot of the way that I tell stories and the way that I show up authentically is rooted in the struggle and the challenges that we had creating a series from scratch. Mm, I love that. And, you know, now you are continuing to build this extremely successful business. Do you have any 
lessons learned from just your entrepreneurial journey and being a business owner. It's so interesting when you talk about just the beginning, because I just don't see you that way. Like I, you know, I'm like, she is a business boss. Like what, what is she talking about? She didn't know what she was doing, but so it's just, yeah, it's. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so lessons I've learned, I'm in this season of doing something that makes me scared. I wouldn't say every day, But majority of the time when I do that, something crazy happens, something big happens, a big contract comes through or a client that, you know, has been watching me for a year decides to take the leap or the piece of content performs so well, even though it's nothing I've ever done before. So doing something scared, I'm definitely in that season. I think a big lesson that I've learned, one of my favorite books is uh, Essentialism by Greg McCowan. And it really talks about the importance of just simplicity. And so I think one of my biggest lessons three years into building my business is keeping things simple. The way that I teach is simple. You know, I don't need to have a bunch of offers. My processes and my systems are simple. My team is simple. And I really try to keep what's essential within my business. I can tell you two years into my business, I was buying, investing every software, every program, everything. And it was fine. It was great. I'm all for investing. I invest in coaching still to this day. But I think there's a line to making sure that your voice and your inner voice is not drawn out, right? So that we're not listening to every... Because you can build a business and you can make a million or 2 million or 10 million or $50 million 150 different ways. All the ways work right? Every single way works. All the Pinterest works, the Instagram works, the podcast works, the TikTok works, all of that works, right? But what works for you and pouring gas on that? I think that's the biggest lesson. You don't have to do all the things, lock into what feels good for you and then focus on that thing right? Focus on that repetition. Because we get bored in our business and we're like, okay, let's buy another system or let's invest in another program. And it's like, but is what you're doing working? Is it making you six figures? Is it making you seven figures? Can you refine it even better? Can you give your client a better experience, right? Like let's start there before adding click funnels and adding this and adding that. So I think that's the season that I'm constantly in of how can we make this simpler? How can we make this easier? How can we systematize this since we've, we do it over and over and over again? I think that's the biggest lesson. And last but not least, document your process. Like everything that you do, doesn't matter if it's, I don't writing snail mail, like document every single thing that you do, because when it's time to build and build your team, you're going to want some sort of playbook that they can refer to because you don't want to build a business alone. You're going to need to build a team to scale, even if it's a small team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Excellent advice. And, you know, speaking of scaling and building the team, I know that that's a lot of work when you're running a business. So talk to us a little bit about work-life balance, work-life integration, whatever you know, phrase you use to describe the way that you're able to honor your work and honor your life outside of work. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's definitely this buzz phrase of there's no such thing as balance, which I agree. I do think you have to unlock what balance means for you. For us currently, we have a four day work week. So on Fridays, it's 
my desire day. So I do things that I desire to do, whether it is something like this, this is something that I desire to do, or if it's going to get a massage and that's something that I desire to do. I used to call it for a while. It was my CEO day. Then when I lost my mom, it was my healing day. But then I started working with a new coach slash therapist and we were talking and she said, I call mine desire day because sometimes on my desire day, I do feel like working. I do feel like, you know, getting some things done. And I would find myself shaming myself because today's supposed to be my healing day or it's supposed to be my day off day. And then I get hard on myself because I want to bang out some work or I want to send these emails. Right. And so she said, renaming that your desire day kind of lets it be free to do whatever you want. And I loved that. So Fridays is kind of spent with cleaning up anything in the work week that didn't get done that I desire to do. Or like I said, just going to the beach or spending time with my husband or whatever that looks like. So I think that's been helpful. The other thing that I've really started implementing recently is systems in my life. And so my husband and I have a Sunday weekly meeting. It is structured. It is great. We have an agenda. We talk about, you know, what we loved that each other did this week. How can we support each other this week? What do we have on the calendar this week? Meals this week. So that's been really helpful. We do that every Sunday. And then we're building out like a home playbook, which has like our favorite takeout or things that we've been dying to watch on Netflix. And we're just making a list. Oh my right? gosh, so we're just I love really you guys. Systematizing <laughs> that. Yeah. So that, you know, we're thinking about family planning next year and we'll want to hire help. And how beautiful would it be to take this book and say, hey, to our nanny or hey, to whoever's helping us in the home and please help us. We want Thai food tonight. It's already, this is what cabin orders every time. This is what Jordan orders every time. And it's just systematized. So I think that's been really helpful. I'm in this community called the society by this woman. I don't know Natalie's last name, but she's the CEO of boss babe. And I heard her talk on her podcast about just systematizing her family life. And that blew my mind. And then she had a template in the membership for it. And I was like, oh, okay, now we're cooking. And it's been beautiful, right? I send my husband to the grocery store because the whole list is in there. You know, whatever we need, pictures of it. There's recipes that we're now putting together in there. So I think that's helped a lot with quote unquote balance of like our household being ran with systems and it not feeling restricted. It's felt really beautiful these past eight weeks, I would say. Oh, those are such gems. I'm definitely stealing the desire day for Friday. Oh, yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And you're right, because sometimes you can get hard on yourself if you're not doing the thing that you said you would do, even if you're just trying to rest, but you're like, wait, I'm motivated today to work and to do X, Y, Z. So it's really how you feel. It seems like you are being very intentional about your life. You are paying attention to what makes you feel good, what makes your household run very well. You and your husband, I love that planning. I don't think I could get my husband to do that much planning with me, (laughs) but I will try. (laughs) We'll try for bi-weekly meetings or monthly yeah, meetings or, or something. Once a month. Yeah, yeah, once a month. Once yeah. A month is fine. Yeah. It took us a while to get here though. Like we tried. I thought I was gonna build something out in notion. We'd push it back. Like and then finally we're like, all right, let's do it. If we're on vacation, I have the iPad in the car and we're like just talking through it. And that has it's just made a difference of like how does it work for you? And it's in Google Docs. It's not in Notion. It's not in ClickUp or Asana or HubSpot. It's just like 
let's just do it in a Google Drive and just make it super simple. And you take notes one meeting and I take notes one meeting. And it's amazing. It really, really is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sounds like such a great partnership. And, you know, I am curious just to pivot a little bit back to purpose. And you've talked a little bit about just the work you've done and the experiences you've had. And I'm curious about how you would define your life's purpose or your career's purpose. Have you thought about that? I feel like my purpose is to help people see the best parts of themselves that they can't see yet. I think too often, and I love it. It's so great. I love it. When I meet my clients and they come to me and they don't speak as highly about the thing that they're building, whether it be the business or their mission, when I can look at them and see that it's so big and it's so vast and it's so great. I love pulling that out of them to help them realize like I'm the ish, like I'm pretty dope. I'm pretty poppin'. I think that is one of my favorite things to do is I think about one of my clients before she joined my program, we were going back and forth in the DMs and she was like, I'm starting my little side hustle. Like I'm in my nine to five, like I'm starting a side hustle. And I corrected her right in the DMs. And I said, it's your business. You're starting your business. And she was in my program. She wrote her resignation letter to her corporate job and saved it on her desktop and put a date on it. And she started working towards that resignation because she started to believe that what she was building was no longer a side hustle. It was a business that would allow her to walk away from her corporate job. So it's moments like that where, especially my heart is for heart-centered women who are entrepreneurs that run a service-based business. I love working with people that have a heart to serve others. And so with those types of women, we are so focused on everyone else, right? We're focused on getting everyone else the result and just forgetting like how freaking dope we are and how beautiful it is to talk about how dope we are and not from an ego standpoint or not from a boastful standpoint, but I stand 10 toes down on who I am and the results that I bring, right? I'm changing people's lives. And when I can pull that out of someone and then them make money from that and change their lives from that, I think that is walking in purpose. In addition to the fact that so many people see God's light either on me or through me or from me, I think that's the highest compliment that I can get from what I'm doing in my business or in my life. Even if I'm at the coffee shop and someone's like, oh, there's God on you, girl. Like I feel like those moments like that, I'm just like, okay, in purpose, in purpose, like keep walking like that. Yeah. Oh. And I can say when I first met you, I felt the same way. I was like, she has a light about her and it was just so nice to connect with you and to have you even just like really recognize that about yourself. Like other people tell you, but you to really believe it and to step into it, I think is extremely powerful and empowering. And, you know, this has been such a great conversation. I usually end with final thoughts. So if you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners, I'd love to hear it. I don't know why this is coming to me, but I'm just really proud of you. Like when I met you at a mutual friend's birthday, that was like our first encounter. And your heart for 
your mission and what you're on fire for has been so amazing to see. You definitely are a woman who does what she says she's going to do. Because I remember when I met you, I'm taking a sabbatical and I'm doing this and I'm doing this podcast and I'm going to build it. I'm going to figure it out. And like just to see that and see you knowing some of your story, I don't know all of your story, but the pieces that I do know have taken a lot of people out of the game, have made a lot of people quit, have made a lot of people stop. So to see you still going and going with so much grace and softness and integrity and just pureness has just been, it's been a dream to witness. And I'm so excited to see what God's going to do for you as you continue to be obedient to what you said you were going to do. Thank you so much, Jordan. Okay. So you wanted me to cry. Okay. Thank you. No, no, no. no. (laughs) Oh, God. No, no, no. No, I appreciate you, sis. Thank you. That means so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share the podcast with friends and family. And my hope is that these stories help you navigate your No Straight Path journey. If this content is adding value to your life, and I hope it is, please take a few minutes out of your day to rate the show and write a review. You can click the link in the show notes to write a review. It helps other listeners find the show, and I just really appreciate it. Have a lovely week, embrace the journey, and remember... You're not alone.